You are watching The Living Room Sessions presented by CIMV Media. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and subscribe and follow on YouTube. beside you and I'm not going to sing along. Yeah, failed, failed, failed in the first song. No, I just mouthed it, that's all. So, got some chat portion now. Let's um, let's tell these lovely people all about you. Shall we? All about me. All about you. So, let, let's go way back to the start because you're not a Nashville native. I am not a Nashville native. You're originally from... I'm originally from Kansas. Well, was born in Portland, Oregon, so... So you're a bit of a gypsy. All over the place, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So what was the, the thought behind moving all the way from Kansas to, to Nashville to pursue music? Because it was Nashville that you studied music, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I, I had done a, a kind of an EP in high school um, that didn't really go anywhere. It was kind of, I mean, it was, as a teenager, we kind of, well, as an, a lot of us learned to sing through mimicry. 
Um, so as a teenager, it was kind of mimicry. Uh, it was not my own voice. It was, I mean, it was my own voice, but it was mimicking other artists that I sound nothing like. Um, they're a little twangier than I am or a little um, gruffer than I am. So I, I started there and then had all intents and purposes of going to San Diego and becoming a marine biologist with a specialty as a veterinarian. Yeah. Uh, and then happened to visit Nashville on spring break where I popped into Belmont University and found out that I could get a degree in commercial voice. It didn't have to be something classical. It didn't have to be, um, you know, theory or, or education. I could do, I could do contemporary music, which was mind blowing to me at the time. And I kind of took off from there. I um, entered into Belmont. So for those of you that don't know, Belmont University is a very big music school in the states. Um, and from there, I entered into their country showcase as a freshman. I got in with the likes of like Russell Dickerson, and um, my voice is like this tonight. Yeah, that's an interesting maneuver. Yeah. I'll, I'll go the other way. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll just um, sound like we're playing off each other. <laughs> right. Um, I like the Russell, Russell Dickerson and um, Jordan Kyle Reynolds, who has written songs like Tequila and yeah, you know. So Dan and Shay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as a freshman, I got in out, uh, out competing something like 400 submissions. And just the four of us, I don't remember the fourth. But so, how, I mean, when we look at going away to what we call university and college in this country, we are looking at the fact that somebody from Dumfries will go to like Edinburgh, Glasgow, Stirling, or Aberdeen if they're staying in Scotland. But yeah. if they're going down south, it's, it's slightly dif different because it's a wee bit further. How far away? Is Kansas from Nashville? It's about an eight-hour drive. Yeah, you could fall off the edge of Britain <laughs> go for eight hours here. Yeah, it's a. I mean, you do kind of have to hook over the top, but it's yeah, it's an eight-hour drive. So, what age were you when you made that decision to to leave home? Because I take it you left everything behind. I actually yeah. know this story. I'm going to make it out like I don't. So, I take it you had to leave everything behind. I did. And your family, your friends, and just all of it. head all the way across. Isn't yeah. that? Does that come across in your songwriting as well? That you know, is, is there a loss involved in that? Is there, were you happy about leaving everything behind? I had mixed feelings for sure. I was 18 at the time um, and had never known anything but small town Kansas. You know, I, my memories of Portland are very small, so I didn't know much other than that. So going to what is, Nashville's not a big city, but it's a larger city. Uh, and going from that to that was a very big shift that I didn't really know that I needed. <laughs> uh, I, I'm somebody that kind of set out in, I, I don't remember what it was in, but in, in high school we went through history and had like all, we talked all about the Renaissance era. And I had this desire as a high schooler to become a Renaissance man, which is somebody who, who you know, paints and sings and writes and, and does math and all that. And so <laughs> I kind of decided at an early age I was going to try and pick up as many traits as I could or any or fascinations, whatever my passing fascinations were. And um, so I found, I found Nashville definitely very different just because I was living directly in the city instead of living like an hour, hour and a half outside of it. 
And of course, when you were in Belmont, that's when you came across some strange Scottish man <laughs> who found your music online and got in touch with you because he wanted to use your music and he, well, play your music and do an interview with you yeah. on his radio show, yeah. which at the time was called A Live Country. It was. Um, and yeah, that was, I mean, how long ago was that now? That was about, you would be about 18 at the time. No. Yeah. What year was that? What age are you now? I'm 30. Okay, it might have been yeah, 10 years ago. I think I was ago. like... No, I didn't think it was that long ago. Yeah, I can't remember. I'll tell you, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll, I will know in just a minute, actually, because um, you're going to play... It was 2013. Yeah, it was yeah. 2013, so it was nine years ago. Because uh, you knew the reason the same as I did there. So, okay, do you want to do another song and we'll chat a bit more? Yeah. It's, uh, you have the set list here. You oh, were telling me what I am playing. Are you going by that? Oh, sorry, yeah. I need to go in my back pocket. <laughs> Like, what am, I, what am I playing, Ali? Well, I didn't, you told me earlier it wasn't in order. No. So I, I just get to pick. Yeah, you get to pick. Oh, I'll the, the jukebox here. The power, the, the unadulterated power. <laughs> um, I think that we should go with just another late night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with the next single. We will do that. I'm going to tuck my capo here.
Thank you. Just about to send my pick flying. <laughs> yeah. So that's just another late night due for release in... Probably next month, probably, or early June. We shot an album cover, it's not quite done. The song is done, but we just gotta do all the PR things that are really, really fun. Administration. This is why my favorite part of creativity. We should be British, <laughs> British love administration. That's something we're very good at. Valid. Yeah. Um, so, so just another late night. Go on, then give us the backstory. Where are you? Where did you come from with that? So I wrote just another late night. I left Kansas. I guess this tells you how far from Kansas I'd gone. I left Kansas engaged at the age of 18, um, and kind of fell out with my ex-fiance and we just kept kind of giving it another try and giving it another try and giving it another try another try another you know over and over and over again and it just came from a need to like it just detach and as i wrote find somebody that'll love me right because like, it was just it was toxic and it was just bad uh on both fronts so well, I'm glad I brought that up then, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. They say country music's about uh, real stories. Apparently, miserable stories, but there's real stories all the same. <laughs> Most country songs are about miserable stories. Yeah, it's, well, you've got to think of the, the Dave Allen Coe song. Yeah, or you never even call me by my name because uh, there's, there is the line in that that he speaks that says that there's nothing talking about mum, trucks, trains, getting drunk, or going to prison. Yeah, and that is outside of that, a heartbreak and Jesus, then that makes country music. Yeah. Yeah, three chords of the truth. whiskey. Well, I guess a bar, but. Yeah, well, getting drunk, so. Yeah. You know, it's three chords of the truth, though, isn't it? Yeah. So, what? Yes. Sorry, I said, yeah. That's okay. I keep leaning away from this microphone. Yeah. I might scoot it over a little You think he does this for a living? Um, I think. So. It's almost like I haven't done it for like two years. Two I years, done. yeah. No, I, I've been doing shows, but. COVID is, was a that, that was an interesting time for all of us, really. It yeah. was. So, obviously, with, with the sound that you have we, and, and with the, the contemporary form of country that we're looking at now, right. it, you do fit into the, that, the, not the bro country mold, obviously, <laughs> because that's all country rap, and we'll not say what we call that, because there's kids in the room. Yes. Um, yes. But it, you do fall, fall into the, very much the modern genre of country mm -hmm. music. Yes. So was that always the, kind of the way you went to go? What was, what was the, the country music that hooked you? Was it just being in Nashville or...? No, I, so I remember very early on, my dad was a huge Jim Croce fan, who I guess is not technically country, but it's, you know, singer-songwritery. Uh, he was also a huge fan of the Dixie Chicks, not going by the Chicks. And um, my sister, I, I tried really hard to rebel against country music, as any, you know, strong-minded youth will do, and dipped into things, you know, like Green Day and the, the kind of pop-punk world at the time. And it wasn't until, I guess, I found, well, my sister got into, you know, more of the pop country, contemporary country world. She was a huge Rascal Flatts fan, and... Again, I resisted that for a really long time until I stumbled upon a Keith Urban song. And Keith is a very much a genre alchemizer like myself. Keith likes to try the new thing and, and stay current and have fun with his music and production. And at the time, what was popular outside of country music was kind of pop punk rock, you know, 
so he so I stumbled in on be here, which is you know days go by and and um, making memories of us, things like that and that was the first country album I actually bought was be here and in fact it, it was on my I had to re-download it the other day because my copy that I had copied into iTunes back in two thousand and eight um, had been played so many times that the song skipped it couldn't it couldn't transfer over to iTunes without it being a corrupt file. So I went along with this corrupt file of Keith Urban for so long that I was like, you know what, I should probably dip into Apple Music and grab another version of this. Um, but that was really my first dipping of the toes into country music. And from there I did end up going back to things like Rascal Flast and Dixie Chicks and... I really felt I got an early copy of the first Lady Antebellum album, and I wore that out as well. So it was kind of these these people who were doing country and living in country, and but were still defining their own sound and not necessarily going with the trends or kind of create. Because this was pre Dan and Shay and all these things that are now that sound, but. Uh, really defining and edging or etching out their own pathway through country music. Yeah, I mean, th those artists uh, that you mentioned, they, are, they were the ones that pretty much changed the, the roadmap of country music to yeah. what we're at today. Um, and we did have a conversation yesterday about within country, there's so many genre-specific. So you've got country rock, you've got country pop. Outlaw. Yeah, you know, country rap. Now, we're still not saying what we call that. Now, um, but it's to find a niche within the market, because we were saying yesterday that Genres don't really exist now. Yeah, there's there's been this really aggressive push from artists, especially like top 40 artists, to stop genre classification. I understand why we do it, but there's just that I think that music has become so much of like all of us listening to everything at all times. So you know, it, it, it is this melting pot of music that has now become somewhat genreless because... <laughs> oh, sorry about that. It's okay. Because, you know, everyone has, everyone listens to everything. And it's, when you go to be an artist and to find what sound makes you and where, what brought you to where you are, it's hard to be like, I'm only going to pull this one string when you have a whole tapestry of music in front of you. And I think that's why genres are kind of going the wayside, or that's the hope anyway. I mean, look at look at things, events like Coachella or whatever. You know, they've had acts from like one year they had Beyonce and Casey Musgraves and like Thomas, all these different people on the on the lineup, and it's just like this blend of different um, genres that I think is becoming modern music. I think it's interesting what you say about um, defining as, as well, because to me, you have a, a defining song um, that, that, that totally sold me on you as an artist. Um, and it was, for a long time, it was my alarm tone <laughs> in the morning. Um, it was, it still is one of my favourite songs, and we'll discuss that a little bit further later on because okay. I have a question um, oh, about okay. that. So, um, without looking at my phone because I don't have it anymore. Yeah. So my babysitter was phoning. Um, 
that I wonder if we can do some Jericho. We can do some Jericho. Okay. Let's slow it down. I'll just escape just for one second. Yes, yes, yes. While Ali vacates the stage. Listen to this song, it's normally played on piano. It has a cello, it's really nice. I know times are hard, Jericho, there's no easy way out. But through the dark came a spark, and he calmed your fear and your doubt. Oh. Just a look was all it took And he had your heart in his hand And over heels you'd finally know What it feels to give love a chance When you let him in, you let him win Let him crawl down deep under your skin Too tough to break, too strong to crack Till you prayed one day he'd love you back But Jericho Why don't you see There's a world outside the place That you call security And girl I So you built up your defenses And ain't letting anybody near I know it hurts to fall And let those feelings go But won't you bring down your walls Jericho So you've built up your defenses 
So, Jericho. Jericho. It's a, it's a lovely ballad song. It's a lovely ballad. How do you think it would sound speeded up? You know, I have never heard that, Ali. <laughs> I don't know. So, Charlie and I had a, a couple of, you know, three months ago now? Mm. I don't know. I am. That's, that's good. You tell me. And I like that. Um, I, yeah. I'd, I'd gone to Charlie and said, I really, see, Jericho is my favorite song in the whole world. Um, and I said that I wanted to cover it. Um, that is... High praise or like a high bar to set. You know I love the that song. The whole world. Yeah, whole. It's my favorite song. You wow. know that. Wow. Okay. Um, so Charlie said to me, right? Yeah, you, yeah. Of course, go away. Try whatever you do. Make it your own. Make it your own. Yep. And we took <laughs> with the aid of Ross. Um, <laughs> we took that ballad and turned it into a bit more country rock. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't listen to you play it there. Right. And even though I know I've done it, we've done it. I still don't think it's possible. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, <laughs> the way you've done it is, is like I say, it's a favourite song. Yeah. yeah. That's not what I wanted you to do. <laughs> but, but 
do me a favor. Play from like the second verse. Play from the second verse. Yeah. Right, because then you'll get an idea. Okay, you've moved it down. You've took it down too. So yeah, I, I took that and turned it around and did it into something completely different because um, whereas Charlie has the voice of an angel, I've got more <laughs> the dirty gravelness of the devil is probably the way to put it. I don't yeah, imagine the like devil has a sultry voice. He, he, uh, well, I don't have a sultry voice. Hmm? Clearly you're not the devil. <laughs> As I said earlier, responses from the crowd come later. <laughs> Thank you very much. So the story behind Jericho yes. um, comes from the fact that you have a friend called. I do have a friend called Jericho. Now here we go. This is going to lead you down a garden path. And when you get to the gate, it's going to be locked because the song is not about... Is not about Jericho. Jericho thinks the song's about Jericho, but I've told her many times the song's not about you. Who's it about? The song is about me. <laughs> you know, I'm an artist, I'm a narcissist. That's how this works. Every song's about me. Yeah, and I suppose <laughs> they're going, Charlie doesn't fit. Charlie. No. No, it doesn't fit. So it truly stemmed off the, uh, there was a Mumford & Sons album that came out, Babel. Yeah. And they have a song called Babel, and in the song Babel, I was like, they are not describing Babel, they're describing Jericho, because it talks about marching around walls, and like, that's not what happened. So maybe do your research before you write a song about it. Um, and so then, wait, 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 you're now sitting here slagging off an artist for singing a song about Jericho called Babel, yet you sang a song about Jericho that was about you. Yeah, but I, he has the, yes. Yeah, okay, exactly. check it. I just, that's I just exactly wanted to put, what's yeah. happening. But... At, yeah. <laughs> At the same time, the references are not. I mean, the song Babel was about not being able to communicate with your significant other, but it uses Jericho references, like story-wise. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, Jericho is about me. I, I wrote this, I wrote kind of, I would say half the chorus on the way home um, from this idea that I'd had. And I, I went back home and phoned up Evan, who's in the back, and we wrote it. This is Evan, by the way. This is the Charlie's the songwriter, songwriting partner as well. So, hi, Evan. Hello. Right. So, so Evan is fifty percent responsible. Yes. Fifty percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's because it's like we it, do standard breaks. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's like word for a third in, in Nashville, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, you get a third of the money for just putting two words in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went home, phoned him up, and said I have this idea. We wrote a chorus, and then the song's that for you. That was it. We wrote the chorus and did nothing with it. And then I came across it on a voice note one day. I was like, I forgot about this. Called him up again. I was like, you want to finish the song we never finished? We just wrote a chorus for. And so we wrote, I think, verse one. And then I think it sat for six more months. And then verse two. And um, it is what it is now. I mean, we barely rewrote, we barely touched the chorus after it had been done the first round. I think we changed a word or two here or there. And I tracked it very ill the first time I tracked it and released it under a project I had at the time called the Charlie Rogers Band. That's a good name. Where'd you get that from? I don't, I don't know. Did not people get confused with Charlie's Daniels Band, though? They surprisingly did not. I actually got Randy Rogers Band more. Right, okay. Yeah. But um, tracked it, put it out on an album called, or an EP called Photographs which is, I think, where you found it initially. That's where I found it, yeah. And 
It was a song that I like thought deserved better than it got. So I pulled the version from photographs and re-recorded the in its entirety and then did like a music video and all that jazz and put it out again. Yeah, so on the fully produced one we've got uh, violins and cellos and all things like that. Who plays the cello on it? Uh, he was a session artist in uh, Los Angeles. So not entirely. I don't remember. Did you not name. play some cello on it as well? I, I do play some cello. I did yeah. not play cello on it. I play in the video. You play in the video. All yeah. oh, right. Okay. Can I just point out at this stage? Do you know how disheartening it is to hear that a song that you have taken on board and, and absolutely love basically sat on a phone for six months, do it having nothing done to it? You would be surprised how many times that happens. Yeah. I mean, House that built me, Miranda Lambert. She's the same story. She's that this was it was a song that sat unfinished for like four or five years. Well, one of the most um, famous stories about that is um, the song that's gone completely out of my head. It was the built me. No, it wasn't. It was Nettigrate Dirt Band. Did they take on writing a wagon wheel from Bob Dylan? No, that was um, what song am Old I thinking Crow of? Medicine Show. Oh, oh yeah, Old Crow. That's yeah. So Old Crow Medicine Show had um, basically heard this part of wagon wheel that, that had been written by Dylan. And he decided he wasn't going to do anything else with it. And they yeah. pleaded and begged and said, let us, let us take it on. And now it's become one of the most recognisable right. songs in country music history. Right. Being covered by everyone, uh, every country festival ever, and every country tribute act ever. Every single band yes. plays in Nashville six times a night. Yes, I do it. Every set. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> when you worked downtown Nashville... Wagon wheel kind of becomes a Chinese water torture. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's Nashville has ruined a lot of really good songs for me. Yeah. Um, did the fireman not go that way as well by George Street? Because uh, everybody did that. Well, everybody does. I haven't it. been fought bothered by the fireman. I would say "Don't Stop Believing" is on that list now. Yeah. I would say "Sweet Caroline's" on that list. Exactly. Uh, what else? I would say "Sweet Home Alabama." Yep. Yeah. Kid Rock killed that. Right, so... <laughs> Kid, Kid Rock killed so, a lot of things. Remember I was telling you about... Uh, yes, he did. Uh, remember I was telling you about this, this strange man that every time I, I do a gig or something like that and I say I'm going to play some Skinner, yeah. there's always a shout from the audience. Free word! There he is. Yeah, he's here every time. Um, I've only seen like two or three bands on Broadway play Freebird, And you, one, you have to have a really good guitar player to play Freebird, But... We had a really good guitar player. It happens from time to we, time. We did have a really good guitar <laughs> player. Um, so, where was I going to go from Jericho? So, I, as I say, I met Charlie when I researched him. And it's a very, very strange thing for, a, for apparently a grown man to go chasing a college student in the US. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could have gone a whole different way. I could have been on a list and a register and all sorts of things. Um, but... I, I mean, I, I fell in love with Charlie's music. We've become really good friends over the years, which has been amazing. Um, a couple of years ago, three or four years ago now, actually, I keep forgetting the, the COVID years, um, Charlie came across... It just kind of, like, you asked me how old I was earlier. Yeah. And my immediate response was, twi response was 27. He's not. I was like, that's not... That's, that's not, not true. Right. That's not right anymore. He's shedding us. Because right? she lies about her age all the time. 
Uh, so uh, so three or four years ago, you came across and you played a, a music festival in Stranraer called yeah. Parkfest. I did. Um, and we were the band on before. I'm looking at the man in front of me because he was, uh, I was a singer in his band. I <laughs> well, that, well, that's not what you told people, was it? You told people that, you, that I was a singer in your band. Yeah, um, and that was that was such a, a monumental experience for me as well because yeah. not only to get to like, almost be your support, I got to introduce you as well. Right. And that was just after I'd gone through a massive change with my radio. I don't think it's on the list, but I'm going to ask you to do all the same. You know that, and, and so I'm giving you a heads up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I decided I wanted to take. You might over. want to wait until the half next I'll, half. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Right. So I wanted to take ownership of. Um, <laughs> my own show. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is so professional. Um, I wanted to take ownership of my own radio show and take it away from the radio station that had it because I wanted to syndicate it. Um, so I decided what I was going to. I wanted a show with a name that meant something to me. And so I approached Charlie and said, Can I use your song name? So we'll do it when we come back from the break. But uh, we'll do another song before we have a wee break. Yeah? Uh, I need to go back to my list. Or I'll just pluck one from the sky. There's not, there's not a list up there. Freebird! <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was thinking, because that is on the list. Would you like obliterated, James? And once again, I, I do uh, say that uh, comments from the crowd come later. <laughs> okay? So, we're, so we're, uh, obliterated, that's gone through a couple of... Um, <clears throat> yeah, imaginings yeah. <laughs> as well. There's actually a really good story behind Obliterated. There's a, yeah, there are a lot of stories behind Obliterated. I had a former manager living in LA, and she, at the was time... Was crazy. Yeah, that too. Um, at the time, she had an EDM act. In addition to me, she also had a rap act. Um, it was also crazy. Uh, and she wanted really wanted her artist to collab on this project. So I was sitting in her apartment with this guy called Danny, uh, who's part of the band called the Delta Mode, and they're an EDM group out of Germany. And Danny and I are sitting there, and he's just plugging along on a track, and he's like, all right, what do you want, to, what do you want this to be? And I said, well, oh, I wrote the song. And I just handed him the song as is finished. And so he really put it on a shelf for about two or three years, and I got around to uh, Medusa in Spain and had befriended a guy named Hecker, Hector, Hecker, Hector Moss. And Hector is a fairly big in like Barcelona and he's now got a residency in Vegas. He's doing well, which is good for him. But um, no bitterness here. No, 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 not at all. Okay. No, no, I, it's really good for him. Uh, Hector decided to. I, well, I tr decided to approach Hector and say, I have the song that's just kind of been, been sitting here and would love for you to take a swing at it and kind of put it in more of your style and I would, we would retract vocals. And so he loved it and said, yeah, let's do it. And, and so we tracked everything at Capitol Records. I don't know if you told that. Which was a blast. And the first time I'd ever Excuse tracked it the label. Chitting. Uh, That's the name being dropped. I have a, I have a picture that I took, because the Capitol Records recording studio, well, one, they have a huge one in their basement. That's not the one we used. But we used, they had a recording studio that was kind of a writing room that they use for, like, demo work. And it was on the eighth floor, 
and over there this like tiny little sliver window and it overlooked all of Los Angeles. So I'd like just have this little picture that's just the sliver window with LA at the back with my mic in front. So we recorded at Capitol Records. Um, we wanted, and that was, that November? I know, but like, thank you. <laughs> December 3, I don't remember. Again, November. voices of the crowd come later. Uh, and, oh, Evan also wrote on second verse of it, so that's, I guess, worth note. Um, we recorded the song at Capitol in December-ish, and the plan was to have it out like early, early spring, so like February, March. And we ran into some difficulties because Danny decided he didn't want to be just like a writer name on the track, even though we completely redid the track. Um, so we ran into like months of back and forth trying to get him satisfied with something to release this song. So it eventually came out. And it came, the date in which it came out was March 20th, 2022. Uh, I was supposed to fly to Spain to premiere the song at a pretty big festival in Madrid. That naturally didn't happen. Well, I, I was supposed to go, I was like flirting with buying tickets and this, this little COVID wave started rising up and I was like, I don't really know if that's a good idea. So... I let him, I was like, look, you can premiere the song, I'm not gonna be there, so just, you know, play my voice out and do whatever. Um, and he was fine with that. And then, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go, because I would have been stuck in, I would have been stuck in Spain for like three months, uh, if I had gone. But Hector dropped the song, and Hector's main form of promotion is playing. Like, he plays for like, uh, David Guetta and, um, Steve Aoki, who are pretty big EDM names, he opens for them. And so his main form of promotion of music is playing it live, and he usually has like five or six gigs a night, or a week, and um, with the, without the ability to play it live, the song was kind of a little dead in the water. So I got around to saying, you know, this is, I have a really good friend of mine who actually just flew into Manchester, and she loves the song, and was talking, she got talking, she's like, again, much like Jericho, I think this song needs a second life. So I did a, what I call a stripped or acoustic version of it, which uh, we called Menstrual Country, Menstrual Country, because it sounds very, um, we used all, again, we used all acoustic instruments, so it's like mandolin, and I think there's some cello in there and stuff, but it's all just very springy, and it, it's EDM turned into country. Um, but it works. But it does work, surprisingly. Yeah. And I released it to much success. I, you know, first several months got over 100,000 streams on it, on completely independently, so. And your son's a fan of it. Hey, my son and loves my it. my niece yeah. and nephew are big fans of James it. James is a fan of it. That's why he's asked for it. Yeah. So we shall hear the strip. We're not going to play you the EDM version tonight. I know you're all disappointed by that. Uh, we're going to play the strip back. Yeah. The country version of Obliterated. I did bring my uh, DJ kit in, you know? You didn't set that up? Oh, darn. It hit me like a grenade Shrapnel ripping through The promises we'd made Plated close to the chest But the shards of us Blew our love away 
Somebody call triage, I need a medic, please. Got me searching for the pieces of my heart. Down on my knees, down on my knees, down on my knees. Got me searching for the pieces of my heart. It's been obliterated. It's been obliterated. Like a grenade, shrapnel ripping through. With every word you say, change my world in a breath. When your jaws of love locked me in a grave, somebody called triage. I need a medic, please. You got me searching for the pieces of my heart. Down on my knees, down on my knees. Searching for the pieces of my heart It's been obliterated It's been obliterated but There's no coming back from pain like this Well beyond the point this could be fixed There's no love after you love I know time heals but it's not enough This is not a wound closed with a stitch Cause my heart has been obliterated It's been obliterated Okay, folks, we'll take a, a, a small 10 minute break. Um, let Charlie get some water and figure That's out why good. his voice is squeaking when he talks. Yeah. Ah. Puberty. Hoobie. Um, and we'll be back in 10 minutes. Thank you very much. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and subscribe and follow on YouTube.